Remember more, improve your focus, and multitask better. Hum is a brain sharpener that helps you do all three. Hum's wearable boosts your working memory and will be available in late 2021. Sign up to be notified when Hum launches and to learn more about the science behind Hum at thinkhum.com. That's thinkhumm.com. Hum is designed for healthy adults and should not be used if you're pregnant, have cognitive impairment, implanted devices, or a history of seizures. The Hum patch is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. To learn more, go to thinkhum.com. Hello and welcome to today's Sherlock's In Conversation With podcast. We are recording this podcast remotely, so if the sound is not tip-top, then do please bear with us. Today I'm joined by a lady who's often described as the leading lady of the West End. She is actress, singer and all-round star, Kerry Ellis. Kerry, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I have to start off telling you that I saw you perform in Wicked. I can't remember what year it was, but a girlfriend of mine was one of the, an understudy to you or to the other lead, can't remember which, and she sent me at the back door. And as we came out of the back door, there were all these fans <laughs> chanting with signs and you came out and I can't quite explain to people like it was as if sort of Madonna had just walked oh. out of the, the building and I was like, wow, I'm, I remember Pip saying to me, Kerry has these fans that follow her <laughs> around the world and they are absolutely obsessed with her and they literally camp out here every single day to see her when she comes out of the stage door yeah I mean Wicked was a bit crazy for that you know I think just because when you're in one place for a long time like for instance Wicked I was there for a good year and then I came back to the show again I think they know where you are so they can see you you know every day they know where you know to say hello and it's actually been a really nice support and a, a nice empire growing because now all those people and all those fans support me and all my solo stuff which is brilliant yeah amazing well we will come on to Wicked but just to start off the podcast Carrie Ellis is one of the biggest talents in the western world she can hit a high note like literally no one else when you come off this podcast people listening you need to go onto YouTube and you need need to listen to her <laughs> pull out some belters because my <laughs> god it is something tell us about how you got into the world of musical theater is it were you born into it yeah kind of I just went to a local dance school when I was younger and just loved dancing and performing and did local Amdram shows and it was kind of always in my blood that I would go to drama school I had a very clear journey that I wanted to perform and be on stage I didn't quite know how it would happen or how it would kind of proceed to go into musical theatre that wasn't a plan as such but I knew I just wanted to perform and sing and and had there been a show you'd seen as a child that you thought oh my god she was amazing I want to be her Oh, yeah. I remember getting taken to see Les Mis for my 13th birthday by my parents mm -hmm. and taken up to London. I remember going shopping in Topshop and being able to buy one jumper or whatever it was and going to see a show and being taken for dinner. And it was just, it stuck with me so heavily. And that sparked my passion, I think. I mean, have the career that I've had. It, I still pinch myself at times and go, I can't believe actually all those things that I've done. So what did your education look like? At what point did it become a big part of your life growing up? I mean, I was dancing just this local dance club pretty much four or five nights a week, early days. 
And then I went to college at 16. I knew what I wanted to do. So the, for me, there was no point in doing A-levels. I, I just wanted to be a performer. And that was just it. That was just what was going to happen. So yeah, 16, I went to drama school and came out when I was 19. And yeah, the rest is history. Musicals, concert shows. Which drama school did you go to? I went to Lane Theatre Arts in Surrey, which was mm. great. I moved away. You know, my parents were really supportive and let me kind of, you know, go and move to just outside of London. And oh, it was brilliant to be surrounded by like-minded people. I just loved it. And do you come out of drama school with a network? Do they set you up and go, right, this is where you're going to go and audition? Or were you on your own, age 19, having done three years there? Yeah, in those days, you kind of were on your own. I mean, now, drama schools are very different. They kind of support you earlier on. So they do a big showcase so that you can find an agent and they give you a bit of exposure. Whereas in those days, they didn't. The agents weren't invited to our like final show. And so you were kind of, you know on your own but it was good it taught me to kind of pick myself up and get on with it and I did and it gave me that kind of fire and that hunger to go out and succeed and how did you get your first job what was your first job yeah so my first job was a crazy tour with Marty Webb and Dave Willits we went on a 30 dates in you know 30 days it was it was madness and we were on a tour bus and just going all around the country it's quite a small company I was like an ensemble member. There was only six ensemble members. And I remember Marty Webb got poorly. She was like the star of the show and she got sick. And the director said, oh, well, you can sing a bit. Do you want to kind of step in for her? It kind of put me on the map. You know, it was the first job I did. And I went on for this big star at the time. And it was brilliant. And, it, and I enjoyed it. Oh, and I think then that led to, you know, my next adventure. Which was? Which was My Fair Lady. I did My Fair Lady at the uh, National Theatre with Marty McCutcheon, who was just come out of uh, EastEnders. She did do that, didn't she? And I was her understudy. And obviously there was a big story behind all because she got poorly and she was going off. And of course I was going on and, and the press just got hold of it and I was in all the papers and it was a big story because she was you know she was huge and at that time we didn't have social media so it was really interesting for the press to get hold of and you know Jonathan Price was quite vocal about it all and again it, it put me on the mat it kick-started my career. God, I remember that. I was a real Martin McCutcheon fan. I think I had the Perfect Moment CD as oh, it was back I then. I think I did. I, mean. <laughs> I remember really wanting to see her play Eliza Doolittle because yeah. I'd heard she was great. God, and then you took over. Amazing. She was brilliant. And also she was huge. I mean, she'd been on EastEnders, so everybody knew who she was. She had this musical career. She had just releasing albums. You know, she was big news. And then for her to go into a musical was, was massive. It was quite then, wasn't it? I don't think it was being... I mean, we see it quite a lot now, don't we, with Kimberly Walsh playing Shrek and, you know, people seem to jump in and out of, well, wearing different hats. But I think then it was quite a wow. So was going into the West End, it was quite a big deal. Because of that, obviously, all the press. And then, of course, when she was sick, I mean, they went mental. And it was good for me in a way, but it was also tough because you're going on when somebody's poorly and that's quite tough. And also... No offence to you, but they don't know who you are. They want to see Martin McCutcheon. I mean, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be pretty cheesed off if oh. uh, I rock up and I get Carrie Ellis, not Martin McCutcheon. Well, they used to do an announcement at the top of the show and say, you know, tonight the role yes. of Eliza Doolittle will, will not be played by Martin McCutcheon. And you could hear 2,000 people go, ugh. And, you know, you're backstage oh. and you can hear it. And you're like, oh, no, this is awful. But it kind of fueled my fire to kind of make them enjoy the show. And it kind of stood me in good stead, I think. 
And how long did you play that role for? Well, I was her understudy, so I was in the show for a, a year, and then I left the show because I got We Will Rock You, and that's where I met Brian May, and that's where another Your career... Your partner comes. in crime. My partner in crime. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that spawned another career, which I'm really grateful for. Tell us about Brian May, because you've done loads with him, you continue to do loads with him, don't you? But I mean, Brian's been kind of a mentor for me over the years. I mean, he came up to see My Fair Lady, and I was in the ensemble, and he spotted me, which is kind of something that you read about you know you got spotted but he did spot me and and he asked me to come and audition for We Will Rock You and I did which was amazing and then I was in We Will Rock You for two years and we didn't really record or anything that early on it wasn't until I left the show that we started working in the studio and creating an album and we've been on tour we've done several albums uh, we've performed all over the world we've done the Royal Variety, the Festival of Remembrance. I mean, it's endless. And it's what, really shame because... together. Yeah, yeah. And just before the lockdown hit, we just got back in the studio because he'd been obviously on this world tour, which was massive. And he had a break, so we were just getting back in the studio. We did a couple of new tracks and then the lockdown hit and we were like, ah! You know, stopped our creative flow. You know, can't be in a studio. <laughs> but you Can know, you do that fine. remotely? No, I guess it's one of those things you can't do remotely. There's so much you can. It depends what you have in your house. And, it, you know, creativity mm. is all about bouncing off each other and being in a room together. And it's hard to do that mm over zoom as such you know as we all are doing now in terms of you know brian may that i know he's sort of slotted in and out of of other roles yeah where did you go after we will rock you so i went on tour with miss saigon for a year which was oh my a, god miss saigon. I can i just, I just say it. i mean bring back miss saigon oh i know i know what a fabulous show and score. i just want to sing the heat is on in saigon <laughs> it's it amazing just it really is. It's such a great musical. I remember going to the school, I mean, the helicopter. I mean, that is yes. just worth seeing it for alone. It was epic, that. That. Do you know what the other musical, that my favourite song of all time from a musical, Kerry, Go on. is? Go on. I know him so well. <gasps> I love that song. So you toured with Miss Saigon. Then what came next? Les Mis, which was obviously amazing because it was the first show I saw. And I got and you to... played What's-A-Face. I played Fontaine, yeah. Fontaine, the one that Anne Hathaway played. <laughs> Do you yeah, know, I, I only it. saw Les Mis for the first time. So I think it was last year my husband took me to see Les Mis as a surprise. Did you like it? Freaking how I loved it. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know how have I got to the age that I've got to and never seen I've it. Not seen it, but oh god! Oh, it's a classic. Like it. it's, it's so good. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, I mean, it's, so it's still my favourite, and it's amazing how like I've performed some of those songs again all over the world, and how the reaction to those, you know, one day more, and at the end of the day, like those big songs, they get a reaction like no other show. I mean, on oh. a par with. It's amazing. I was in Japan last year, and, and we sang one day more and they were sobbing and they were on their feet and you know this show's been running for 30 years it's amazing that it still gets that response god i remember looking over at my husband and we were both just grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> it was just so good. And like our normal date night is like cocktails and Japanese oh. food. It's not the theatre, but we just loved it. So you did Les Mis, was that in London? Yeah. For people listening who don't know you, I just have to just stress here. This is a woman who has played Fontaine and Les Mis, Eliza Doolittle. <laughs> I mean, the lead in Wicked. Like, you really have done it all. And I think it's weird because... 
the West End doesn't tend to spit out celebrities like they do in a sort of popular culture mm. way yeah. like other. But I remember Pippa, my friend, who was an understudy in Wicked and who is amazing. And when I've had too much to drink, I make her sing. Like, we, went, <laughs> we went on a girls' weekend, a load of us recently, to Cornwall, all my old school friends. Oh, I love I said, Cornwall. I said, just FYI, girls, I'm not going to bed until Pippa sings I know him so well. So. Oh, <laughs> did you sing it with her? Were you the counterpart? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 one, no one wants to hear that. But I remember... Going to, as I said, see her in Wicked, she came at the bat and I was like, who's Carrie Ellis? And she was like, it's difficult to know where she'll go next. She was like, she's played every lead big role there is. And Wicked is kind of the female lead in the West End. Yeah. And it's quite hard to top that. Would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's definitely the hardest, the most pressure, the most expectation that I've ever felt. But it also, yeah, but it, because of it's so huge, you know, it's such a big sing, it's physically, emotionally draining, it's tough to sustain it, but it's also the most rewarding. And the support I got from that show has kind of fed the rest of my career. Did we skip anything? Did anything else come in before Wicked? No, I mean, I was starting to obviously work in the studio with Brian alongside this musical career now. So I was in the studio a lot and doing a few concerts, but not very much because if the musical kind of takes over your life, so you can't do anything else. So it's quite consuming. So what year did you start Wicked? I think it was 2007 when it opened in London and I did it for about a year Mm. And then I went to Broadway. They took me to Broadway with it, which was amazing. And then I came back and did another kind of six months. And then about five years later, I'd gone off and I was doing other shows and other music concerts, tours and albums and stuff. And then I got married, had a baby, and then they had a crisis and somebody got really injured. And she was quite a high-profile girl that's played the role for 10 years. And she got injured, so they called me up and said you know could you come and do it for six months in two weeks time and I was like oh gosh I don't even know if I still can you know I'm five years older my body slightly changed because I've become a mum and I don't even know if I can sing that anymore but I did I went back and it was oh it was incredible it's been amazingly successful isn't it it's another musical lots of people haven't seen but it's the one I always say you should see it it's so good why do you think it's been so popular I think it ticks all the boxes, uh, Wicked. It's relatable to people um, because mm. it's about relationships, essentially. I know there's a green girl and there's a good witch and, you know, there's oompa-loompas and all sorts of crazy things. But essentially, it's about relationships and everybody can kind of come away and relate to it in some way. Yes, it has all the fantastic music. I mean, Stephen Schwartz is a genius and the costumes are incredible and the set and the choreography and the direction you know it just all fit and mm. and all worked but essentially I think the message is what hits people and you were not Elizabeth you're the other one no I was Elphaba did you love that role talk to us about what it is like living that life because my friend that did it got to a point where she got married wanted to have children and was like this is been amazing and I've kind of ticked that box but actually this isn't the lifestyle that I want to lead now have you ever got to that point and how draining is it because I don't know if people perhaps sitting there quite get what a grueling lifestyle it is yeah it's pretty chaotic I mean it does take over your life because of how big a sing it is you know you're pretty much singing for two or three hours 
and that's on a on a one show day on a two show day i mean it's you've got to do the whole thing twice and it's eight times a week which is crazy you know and the physicality of it is intense just the strain on on your voice but also your mental capacity to deal with doing that show eight times a week and the the pressure of people coming to see you play that role because your name is suddenly above the title which was a new thing for me it's quite stressful you know because you want to deliver that kind of performance every day and and it's it's a lot it is a lot what happens after a show do you have like a cool down period yeah, like, I mean, really you can't just come off the show, get in the car, go home and go to bed. Not then, no. But I mean, it does take a little while to come down. I think your adrenaline is like through the roof. So it, I think just working in London, doing a show in London, and then you have that time to travel home, you kind of start to unwind a bit, then get home. And I mean, I'm, you know, I'm straight in my pajamas kind of and having a cup of tea and, you know, trying to go to bed, really. Yeah. I used to be, you know, go out after the show and, you know, go out in London and it was amazing, but I just, I can't do it now. (laughs) I'm too old. And you can't have any social life, evening social life, can you, with that kind of schedule? No, it's tough. Not in that kind of show. You can in in others, you know, when your responsibility isn't so big, then you can, but something like that. I mean, I lived like a nun. I really did. And yeah, it just consumed my life. And do your voice... Do you feel like as you get older, your voice changes or you have to look after it in different ways? Because it's not always there performing in the same way, is it? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, your voice changes as you get older anyway. I think it comes into your prime when you're about in your 30s. Is that right? Yeah. And it definitely does develop and it depends on what you're singing and what's kind of stretching you. So obviously Wicked, I mean, I was probably it was the most developed I'd ever been because just having to sing that all the time was amazing. But it, I was probably on my top form in those kind of times. But yeah, it's always changing. I mean, I think as your body changes, as especially when you have children, your body changes a lot and your voice changes. And I think it's nice for it to evolve and, and see where, where it's at now, you know, what kind of stuff sits better with me now, you know, that kind of reflects in the albums that I make. Yeah, so it depends on, I think a lot of it is age. Are there any roles you haven't played that you would love to play? Oh, yeah, there's tons. I mean, I've not oh, done Evita. Oh, my I'd God, to... I was about to say. Yeah, I'd love to do Evita. Oh. I did it at college, but I've never done it, like, professionally, so I'd love to do that. Isn't that a great musical? Oh, I, I mean, mean yeah. the soundtrack to Evita. I mean, Madonna, she was amazing in Evita. So, yeah, and also I like doing new stuff, so I like doing workshops I did a Beatles workshop quite recently and that was cool and stuff that you can work in the room with the director and change and pull about I love doing that and what's been your favorite role that you've played well I had the most fun in We Will Rock You oh really We Will Rock You was definitely the most fun again we thought we were rock stars and we went out every night and we just have a sand innovation and people screaming at us I mean it was like living like a rock star life which was amazing but probably Wicked is the favourite. What is the main difference for you as an actress between the West End and Broadway? I think think the main difference is everyone in the West End wants to work on Broadway and everyone on Broadway wants to work in the West End. But for me, (laughs) The grass is always greener. Yeah, exactly that. For me, it wasn't that much different. The show was exactly the same. So the only thing that was different was obviously the backstage area was all different. So if I came off the stage, it was very strange. But I think the only thing I found was that when I was there, everybody knew I was there. There was a real kind of 
bars everybody has all the information whereas I think we're just a bit more relaxed in the West End everybody's a bit cooler about it (laughs) and can I tell you the main difference Broadway shows are so expensive. Oh, aren't they? They're so expensive. My My brother-in-law lives in the US. He lives in Colorado. And he said it's virtually cheaper for me to fly my whole family to London to to go and see Hamilton than it is to see it. On Broadway, the tickets are just, like, offensively expensive. It is. And it's just such a shame because, you know, theatre should be accessible to everyone. In You know, I get you can have premium tickets and all that, but it should be accessible. Everybody should be able to go. And it's mm. such a shame when they kind of make it so expensive that, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's almost like we're going back in time and it's a privileged thing. And also the cheap seats, they're just the crap seats, aren't yeah. they? I'm kind of of that attitude. If you're going to go and see Hamilton just like have a cheap month and get the best seat because yeah, there's nothing yeah. worse than getting to the theatre and having a crap seat. I, I'm just cross before it's even started. I'm the same, um, I'm the same. Did you love Hamilton? I haven't seen it. I can't what? believe I haven't. I'm probably the only person that hasn't seen it. It's really tricky for me to get to see theatre because I'm either working in one or I'm like home with my family and have been massive guilt that I'm, you know, going to the theatre. So it's, it's really tricky. And also Carrie, you... it's a little... I know. I know, it's really bad. You and your it's husband, really bad. you need to get on and go and see Hamilton. You really do, it's great. Yeah, we Although, do. Although, I thought it was dance as well as rap, as well as whatever, so I kept waiting for them to break into these amazing dance routines, which didn't come. Caveat, I absolutely loved it, but there is no dance. Do you love the dancing side as well as the acting and the singing? I love yeah. it. I mean, I'm not the best dancer in the world, but I got to do Cats when it came to the Palladium a few years ago. I took over from Nicole Scherzinger. She did it for the first three months, and then I went in... And it was one of those roles that I thought, I'm not going to get to play this because it's just not around and I'm going to lose my moment. And then it came to the Palladium and I got to go and play Grisabella and mm. sing that song, sing Memory. And Oh, and, my God. Oh, I it was mean, amazing. But I, get, I got to do the opening scene, which is like an eight-minute dance routine, which is amazing because I trained as a dancer wow. years and years ago. So to tap into that, that kind of okay, physicality so again was amazing. Well, a little bit. I was I, at the back. <laughs> Starlight Express, do you remember that? That was another goodie. I mean, I remember going up to Starlight Express with my college friends. I remember it being on and we would go up on the train and get £5 tickets and have restricted view and just stand at the back. And I just loved it. It was was so good. I spoke to um, Arlene Phillips on my podcast quite recently and we were talking about Starlight. You know, it's her baby. It's her big musical and I said to her you know I used to do that at college she was like oh no way that's amazing (laughs) so good so good so after Wicked I mean you've done four albums you've toured with Brian a lot you kind of gone more down that route I mean I've got to talk about you're gonna hate me for bringing this up the voice and your audition (laughs) for the voice Kerry went on to the voice and you came on and I knew who you were and you were fucking incredible. Like, your audition was incredible. I was like, turn, for God's sake, turn, it's Gary Ellis. And they didn't effing turn because your voice belongs on the stage and not, you know, they're looking for the next hip hop, whatever yeah. they're looking for. I don't know. Like, they're looking for something so out of the box. Anyway, you the look voice- back and go, oh my God, why did you go on it? Well, I mean, I was invited on the show and it was the first season, so it hadn't been here before. I didn't really know anything about it. I got a call and said, look, you can come on the live show. You haven't got to go through all these crazy rounds. And for me, I was at a point where I'd done a ton of musicals, I'd done a few albums, and 
it came up and I just kind of took on the challenge. I didn't really think too much about it. And for me, it was still about I could go on telly and perform for the nation. And that's what it's about for me. And if they turn great, if they didn't, that's fine. But, I mean, I audition all the time. People kind of forget that. The difference with the voice, it's live on national television. Mm. The hardest bit for me was having my family being filmed and being in the room next to me because, like I say, I can deal with, you know, musical theatre and auditions are all about being resilient and, you know, you get more no's than you get yeses. And I'm used yeah, to that. Yeah, of course, you're in it now. No, you know, exactly. no. Oh, and that one's a yes and that one's exactly. a... Exactly. But, yeah. Suddenly having my family watch me go through it God, was, so was horrible. So that, for me, that was the worst bit. The yeah, they, I know, get that, totally. It was an experience and I, I took it as, as it was. And, what did and you I sing? Remind me what you sang. I sang Son of a Preacher Man, which I didn't want to sing. They kind of give you a song, which is... Oh, you do know, they? Yeah, it's, they give you kind of um, a list of 100 songs and you choose 10 and then it, you know... It's advised what you'll perform. You'd suggest that you do this. <laughs> In the most political way. Yes. Gosh, <laughs> fascinating. And what was the response after that? I mean, I imagine in a weird way then that did open up other doors. and cause well, it, always... Yeah, it was interesting because although people know me in the theatre world and suddenly it kind of put me on the map in a, in a different way because mm. suddenly I was getting papped and I hadn't kind of experienced that before even though I'd done these big shows I was getting papped if I went in to do a radio interview or I went in to do you know a tv or whatever it was because mm. suddenly I'd been on Saturday night television and it changed mm. everything. Can I ask you what your go-to song is for an audition if you suddenly had to audition? If I suddenly went now, Kerry, can you sing us a line? What would you sing? <laughs> I'm quite lucky now that I don't usually have to take my own song. I'm usually just given the song from the show, which is really helpful because it's hard when you're going into auditions and they say, bring two contrasting songs and that are in the mood of the show. And that's tough. Jeez, yeah. That's hard. You know, now I just generally get sent the song, which is great because it just cuts that middleman out. Yeah. And what were you supposed to be doing? We'll kind of come on to your podcast in a second, but were you supposed to be doing live stuff now? Oh, yeah. I was supposed to be uh, in Japan, in Milan. I was doing a tour here. I was doing lots of concerts. I was in Scotland, Wales, Ireland, all over the place, just doing concerts and, and touring. I did an album before we went into lockdown that I didn't want to put onto Spotify and iTunes because... I wanted to have something that was a bit unique for the shows that I was doing. So I didn't want it to be a download thing. So I made this album and obviously then lockdown hit and I still didn't want to put it online. So I put it on my website just as just for any like fans that wanted to get hold of it before I start touring again. And it's gone mental. I've turned it to my own little production company. So that's been kind of nice um, to kind of keep people entertained at this time. And this is you singing covers or original tracks? Well, covers, because alongside that, I was working on originals with Brian and with some new writers, which will go on on iTunes and be released, you know, at the end of the year. But I wanted mm. something that I could take with me on these concerts. I made Feels Like Home quite quickly, really, before the lockdown hit. And not intentionally. What, and you called it Feels Like Home? Yeah, called it Feels mm. Like Home. I know. God, How that's weird, I, I had no idea that that was coming. <laughs> what are the, some of the covers on there? So title track is a Randy Newman song called Feels Like Home. There's your song, Elton John, but it's kind of a mixture of the, uh, 
Moulin Rouge version and his original version. Into the Unknown, new Frozen song, Ticket to Ride. Cool. And I want to listen to that. How do I listen I'll to it? I'll send you one. I'll send you one. Oh, please, <laughs> will you? So it's not on It's not on Spotify? No, it's just on my website, just kerryellis.com. There's a few left. I mean, it was a limited edition, so I didn't Does that mean you need a CD player? You do. <laughs> How old school is that? <laughs> I don't think I own one anymore. <laughs> the only one I have is in my car. <laughs> True. I can sit. I'll, I'll I can go for a drive. <laughs> that would be a heaven. Because I keep saying to my husband, I don't know about you. I'm like, I just want to do something on my own. I was like, I love you uh, very much. And... We, my uh, husband and I actually do get on better when we're together than when we're not. So actually, it's been lovely. But I was like, I just would really love... He went and played golf last week because the golf courses have opened. And I was like, yeah, I would just really love to take up golf and just go and have... And he came back so happy and I was so pleased for him. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, you've had six hours. Just you. <laughs> you need to send me your CD. I'm going to put it on the car. I'm just going to go, I will go do. for drive. And how are you passing the time? You've started your podcast, but how are you? And I'll come onto that in, in a sec, but how are you? You've got, what, two boys? Two boys, yeah, six and four. My house is like a jungle gym. I mean, they're so active and they're so full of life. You know, it's been great in a way because they're like probably like yourself my husband and I don't spend that much time together because we're always working and you know running yeah. around and for us to spend that time as a family has been lovely to have mm. dinner together Magic. and actually simple things go for walks and that's been lovely the homeschooling I won't miss <laughs> oh, um, no, yeah. I mean geez gee I never ever 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 considered to being a teacher I mean I know why yeah it, it, it gives is. you a whole new respect doesn't it for teachers <laughs> it certainly does yeah because you've got kids as well haven't you and you've got yeah you're going nine to seven and three and yeah the homeschooling is not something I ever 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 wish to repeat me neither me neither and you can't do it's hard to kind of do anything else around it because you just have the guilt you know and, and you can't shut the door they come in <laughs> yeah they, well I've got one who just can't do anything without someone sitting there next to him so it's a, it's a nightmare on a more gloomy note what do you think the future of theatre looks like well I'm hopeful I mean for me people are looking at Christmas and kind of early next year I mean, I think it will all be fine. I mean, my husband works in sports, so we have the same conversations, you know, because uh, we both work in places where you yes, need lots of people. he works in football, right? Yeah, he coaches. So it's Gosh. difficult for both of us because we can't, can't get out there doing what we do. But I do think it mm. will all come back. I just think it's a matter of time. And, you know, once we get the vaccine or, you know, people might have to wear masks in the theatre or there might be new additions, but creativity will happen. We're already finding it. Everybody's getting online and being creative. Mm. It will mm. happen and we will find a way. So I, mm. I think it will all be fine. Do you know, one of the things I was saddest about in lockdown, I mean, before I get hate mail, all in perspective, <laughs> I guarantee, is that I had booked tickets to take my big two to see Mary Poppins. Oh. We were so excited and it was literally like a week into lockdown. So I was like, do you think it's tight? Might still be on. Anyway, sadly not. So uh, yeah. They'll come Have you back. Seen it? They'll bring it back. I, I saw it in New York when I was there, actually. My friend Scarlett Strallen was playing the role and she was, again, a, a Brit on Broadway. And we became like best friends while we were out there. And uh, she... 
just supporting each other. She was playing Mary Poppins. I was playing Alpha Bowen, and she was magnificent. And the yeah. show was incredible. Oh, yeah. I've heard. You'll love it, and it will be. It will come back, and you will see it, and it will the be. Good amazing. times will roll again. <laughs> In the meantime, we're all pivoting and doing different things, and you've launched your Keep Calm and Carry On podcast. <laughs> I've listened to a couple, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, you've had Arlene Phillips. I love Arlene Phillips. Oh, I um, love that. I mean, you are talking to the biggest. Strictly fan, like of all time. Oh, I've had a few Strictly stars on Kimberly Walsh. Yes, uh, I spoke to Emma Barton. She's just the other recently. one. Oh, um, I haven't um, had that one. I've had Kimberly and Arlene. How's it going? And are you enjoying the world of podcasting? I love it. It was something for me to focus on. I've wanted to do it for a long time and just put it off. And we all, you know, time just runs away and you don't get time. And then. Obviously, this was the perfect time. I knew everybody would be at home and I knew I could kind of sit and chat to people over Zoom. And I wanted to talk about how it feels when you come off something huge. So this was the perfect time. If you've done like a big arena tour, you've done like a big performance or come out of a show. And then it's like the aftermath, how you feel, you know, when you're suddenly at home and adjusting to normality again. And I talk about it a lot with Brian, actually. We talk about this over and over and I wanted to get how everyone else was feeling about it. And it's just sparked some great conversations. And I've loved it. And also, it's been really nice to be on the other side for a change. I'm used to getting kind of interviewed and, and chatted to. And, but to be on the other side and be, the, be asking the questions and be, you know, instigating the chat was, is lovely. Yeah. I'm really enjoying yeah. it. And who have you got lined up? Or is it top secret? No. So we've got Denise Van Alton uh, coming up quite soon i've got alice living who is uh, i just think she's brilliant um she's great yeah she's great just such a great inspiration to people especially at yeah, the moment you know she's, she's great really on, nice online well. yeah so she was lovely yeah. um shauna scoffery who is a friend of mine but he's kind of just launched a big album on radio too which is really great Adam Garcia, we've got Sam Barks. Where's Brian May in the lineup? Well, I think Brian's going to do it. I think he's <laughs> going to be like my season finale. <laughs> I so. love that you, this sort of pure, like, blonde sort of vision and this rock star Brian May have this <laughs> amazing relationship. Well, I think you need to get him on your podcast and people need to tune into your podcast, Keep Calm and Carry On. Carry before we go will you sing us a line <laughs> okay hit it okay my gift is my soul and this one's for you and you can tell everybody this is your song it may be quite simple but now that it's done I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind That I've put down in words How wonderful life is Now you're in the world Yay! Oh my god! <laughs> you have made my day! Carrie, I'm sitting here with the biggest grin on my face. My Aww. friend Pippa is going to be going, Trust you, you couldn't bloody help yourself, could you? Well... Aww. I didn't. Bless you, Kerry. Thank Pleasure. you. Thank you. Thanks um, for having me on. So much luck with your podcast. Tune in, people, and stay well, Kerry. And thank you so much for your thank time you today. Thank you so much. I love you guys. So thank you very much for having me on. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. We will be back soon. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>